Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanby. And I'm Erin. And this is our Seventh Heaven podcast. Yes. Uh, in this uh, episode of Camden Cast, we will be covering season two, episode five of Seventh Heaven. The title of the episode is Says Who, or if you were in Germany, the more appropriate title is Rumors. The, these German, German titles are like hit or miss. Sometimes they are way better than the American titles, and sometimes they're just large ones and large concerned ones. <laughs> so uh, the IMDb synopsis of this episode is, Simon is surprisingly successful with Pa's suggestion to show how mind games can convince people of crazy ideas by pretending he's shrinking. When he's overheard, Matt turns the tables, only to be beaten in the end. Lucy invited to dinner classmate Shelby, curious about the rumors she suffers from bulimia. Eric lets Mrs. Bing drag him into meddling in a family affair on behalf of her friend Hankel. So, we unfortunately have the return of Mrs. Bink, and also what we get Mittens back, but Mrs. Bink hardly lets Mittens talk. Um... Yeah, what was your first impression of this episode? I think this was the worst episode because actually, yeah, I, I like, believe that. Actually, the worst episode. Like, yeah, it's it's the there. The main focus of this story is, I guess, there's two main focuses. It's mittens. Like, it well, the main yeah, the main focus is like they've decided to wander into the golden years, which you know is its own show, and the seventh heaven should not step into that territory. That's lifetime territory, or like Nick at Night, or. TV Land. It's TV Land's territory, not the WB. And the other storyline is, like, Simon being a cult leader, <laughs> which, I mean, like, was kind of interesting at first, because, like, that was exciting, because I was getting some real cool tips about how to right, create my own cult. Right, knows a lot about starting a cult. Because, as Simon says in the first, very first scene, cults and churches are quite similar. Um, so, and then the the last storyline is Lucy being the worst. Oh, my God. Lucy... Desperately seeking approval from people at school and being awful to get it. I don't get how, like... I don't get how people like this character. <laughs> yeah. I'm there sorry. There are a lot of people who like this character. We're very much open to debate about what you all feel about certain characters. Or her strong suits. Yeah. <laughs> but she has not done anything yet that has really, like even stood on neutral ground for me. Everything is pretty negative. Anyway, I really dislike this episode. And quite honestly, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> well, there, there have to be some duds. I mean, 11 right. seasons. 11 they, seasons, yeah, you're they right. They can't all be gems. But Aaron's uh, promised me that there's some good ones coming up. So, Oh, yeah, season two, episode uh, seven is, is a gem. Um, and, I mean, our last episode was pretty... Okay. I mean, no, you gave it a five. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> it's exciting, you know. Um, all right. I guess so, we'll get started. Yeah, let's, let's, so I guess we'll do it, uh, like, storyline by storyline, because this is going to be a very brief But e- By the way, <laughs> this is going to be a very brief episode. Let's do the cold open, and then we'll do storyline by storyline. Okay. All right, so um, the cold open starts with uh, Simon... And well, it's the Rev making lunch for all the kids. Uh, Simon comes down. He's reading the newspaper. And Simon asks, uh, so apparently the news just broke about the Heaven's Gate cult, which is actually a real cult that um, it was like real news that happened in 97 in America. Uh, Aaron, you have some info about the Heaven's Gate cult? Um, not really. By the way, it didn't happen when this episode was airing. It said like something about like aftermath. So it was like continued discoveries, whatever this newspaper was about, because in, the, in this... 
We're in like late nine, 1997 and the, the cult got busted in March of 1997. Um, it was 39 people who committed mass suicide in order to reach what they believed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft following comet Hale Bop, or Hale, like it just says, yeah, Hale Bop, I guess is what it, the, so all these people killed themselves because they thought they were going to get on a UFO. And Simon's and the, pretty intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah, and well, he's like, oh, how does a guy get 38 people to kill themselves just to get on a UFO with him? Um, and <laughs> the Rev being the resident expert on apparently everything is trying to explain how cults work. Um, and as I said before, Simon's like, oh, well, that sounds a lot like how church works. <laughs> um, and honestly, I really wasn't paying attention to much of the dialogue in this cold open because there was a lot of chest hair going on. Um, um, but well, let, let's get to that. But the, the riff basically is like, oh, um, you should, you know, like you, you, you could see how easy it is. Cult leaders are usually charismatic, and you're charismatic, so why don't you try to use, like, the power of suggestion to get the rest of the family to believe that you're shrinking? And he's like, but we'll let Ruthie in on it because it would be cruel to play a trick on her. And he's like, and you can use her to spread the word, and you can see how cult leaders use their members to spread the word. So the Rev is, like, teaching Simon how to start a cult, um, and that was strange, in my opinion. Uh, Matt comes in at some point and I guess is like like Simon's like first victim uh, in that like he likes to he like looks at Matt's like oh either you're growing taller or I'm getting smaller Matt's like I'm not growing and Simon says well then I must be growing smaller and then it's the opening credits all right but when we did when we come back from the opening credits we did have an incredible scene on the, oh, at the yes. exterior yes, this was worth it of the high school. It's the most 90s thing that's happened in the show to date. Um, also, this feels like the first time we have actual music being licensed by the show. I don't remember having, like, music that we know on the show before. I've Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, uh, oh, if you're all wondering, oh, it's... Oh, wait, I lied. It's Counting Crows. Oh, it's, okay. I was like, it sounded exact, but, okay, so it's a Counting Crows song, um, and... It shows just the exterior. It's a very long opening shot of the exterior of, like, the courtyard of the school. The high school. And kids are throwing. It's, it's like, lunchtime, and yeah. there's a group of kids playing hacky sack. And uh, there's kids playing frisbee. Kids playing, throwing frisbees, and it's just very long. And, and everyone's got their textbooks covered in that brown paper. I wrote that down, too. <laughs> with the subject written on the yeah. side of it. Um, and then for some strange reason, Matt... Mary and Lucy are all sitting at the same lunch table. And, I mean, if you're Matt and you're a senior, are you really sitting at the same lunch table with your sisters who are freshmen and sophomore? And if you're Mary, are you really sitting with Lucy? Like, uh, so Yeah, and Mary, it looks like Mary's friends are also there sitting with Matt, which make no sense, which makes no sense either. Um, but this really introduces us to Lucy's storyline, where they're looking at a girl at a different table who's sitting by herself. Uh, this girl's name is Shelby. I did not write her last name down. But um, she's there's like a mean girl who's yeah. like, oh, look at her, like. Um, and this mean girl has is uh, taking part in the rumors that have been going around school, saying that Shelby's bulimic because apparently after every she eats a lot and then after every meal she goes to the bathroom. Um, I would just like to point out that Shelby is played by Julie Berman, who I know personally from playing Lulu Spencer for like over ten years on General Hospital. Wow. Thanks I'm, for that. I'm a General Hospital fan. What can I say? So, 
Uh, they have, like, a little... Dis- so Mary is, like... At this point, Matt has already left, and Because Mary- Matt doesn't want anything to do with these people, obviously. And Mary is, like, well, you don't know she's bulimic. You should stop saying... Like, or do you just believe it because everyone else says it? And, of course, they, that's the only reason they believe it. Um, and Lucy's... Lucy, desperate to be accepted by these people who are saying bad things about this girl, is like, I know how I'll find out. I'll invite her over... Uh, to dinner, and then I'll watch her after dinner and see if she goes to the bathroom and throws up. And the mean girl's like, yeah. Because Shelby is in um, Lucy's algebra class with her. Yes. So the next thing we have in this storyline is Lucy inviting Shelby um, to help her with, like, algebra. Um, That's really much... That's it. Yeah, and Shelby is like, okay, yeah, I'll come. And then Mary kind of, like... Oh, calls her out. Frowns at her. Oh, because... But well, Lucy's like, oh, I'm concerned. And Mary says, oh, I thought you were being catty and nosy. And Lucy keeps saying that she, she's doing this because she's concerned and that if something is wrong and if she is bulimic, that she's going to help her. And all I wrote was Lucy is her father's daughter. Yeah. Like, we need to find out what this person's problem is because I'm going to help her. And, like, no. Um, so then, she, then uh, as the storyline continues, Lucy goes home and asks her mother if she can invite Shelby over. Of course, because, she, remember, Lucy's never mentioned Shelby before in her life, quite like all of her other friends oh, yeah. that she invites over. Um, uh, Annie goes, yeah, sure, if you tell me who she is. Yeah. Um, and it's an algebra friend, and Lucy makes up some stupid lie about getting very close very fast. Um so and then I think Mary, like, rolls her eyes, and it's, you know, it's all good. Uh, then we have Mary and Lucy uh, with face masks on, um, getting their beauty on. Uh, Mary's basically calling Lucy out for being the worst, uh, being, she's like, Lucy's argument is, if so many people say it, it must be true, and Mary comes back with, sometimes word of mouth exists because there's just too many mouths, <laughs> which is a great <laughs> argument. Um... Finally, we get to the big day where Shelby arrives. Um, we have absolutely no interaction between Shelby and Lucy whatsoever. No. no. We, we just see Shelby arrive, and she's like, oh, hi, Shelby. And then they go, I guess, presumably to, like, her room or they're working on algebra or something. Lucy goes, uh, there's going to be dinner later, and as at the mention of dinner, uh, Shelby just asks where the bathroom is. So when oh, Shelby... Yeah. <laughs> she has to go to the bathroom before dinner, which means she's probably throwing up to make room or something. Whatever the logic is here, because then Lucy's like, oh, it's true. And runs down to the kitchen, uh, not really aware of her surroundings, because all she cares about is herself, and, like, relays this information to Mary, and Annie's like, what? Yeah, because, well, she says to, to Mary, she's like, oh, well, that, that proves it or something. And Annie's like, what does it prove? And then Annie's like, really? You invited this girl over here for dinner just so you could see if she's bulimic? Um, so Annie is like, oh, wait. And then Lucy starts to cry. Well, yeah. As like, and I hate that as a method of getting out of like getting in trouble. People are like, oh, you did something terrible. And she just starts to cry because she's like, oh, they'll feel bad for me. Yeah, Lucy's like, well, I thought, I know I did it for the wrong reasons, but we can do something about it now. I can help her now. And it's all about what Lucy can do for yeah. Shelby and not the fact that Shelby might need help. And, um, and then Annie's like, this, some problems are too big for you to help with. So like, it requires maturity and sensitivity, which, which you don't have, which I love. Um, and then Lucy's like, well, I know I can't fix it, but I have you, and you can do it for me, which kind of actually... It's like the Rev, yeah, she, she brought... What? No, I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of um, Mitten's children. Oh, oh. I guess there's a, some sort of I guess. parallel there, but we'll Says get to that. Who? 
<laughs> we'll get to that. Um, then we hear nothing more of this until everybody's eating dinner. We see um, Shelby eating quite a lot. Um, Do we, though? She's I'm, just at the table. I guess, like, it, they make it seem like she's scarfing down a lot of food, and then she immediately asks to be excused. Um, Annie then follows her upstairs. And she's like, oh, you think... the, the, the like, Shelby's like... You followed me because you think I was throwing up, right? And and I was like, oh, it's and, just... And, but Annie's like, well, what am I supposed to think? <laughs> right, and then Shelby's like, no, and she pulls a toothbrush out of her pocket, and she's like, I had to go brush my braces. <laughs> so we're supposed to, we're, like, meant to believe that she, after every meal, she goes to the bathroom to get the food out of her braces, um, and then... She further explains yeah. that uh, the reason why she eats so much at school is because, like, her mother's... Food stamps got cut off, and, like, there's not a lot of money, so it seems like the only time she can get lunch is at school, I guess. Um, So she eats what she can there, so she's always hungry, because presumably, like, that's the only place where she's eating. She said she knew that Lucy, the reason that Lucy invited her was to find out if she was actually bulimic, and that she accepted it because she was using the Camdens for their food. Yeah. (laughs) Which was great. Good work, Shelby. Um, Annie then makes a blanket offer saying, you and your mother are always welcome here. Of of course, because this is how the Camdens Um, handle things. And uh, that she's going to be signed up for Meals on Wheels, and um, we have, like, one final scene where uh, Annie and Shelby come back down. It's time for dessert. Uh, Annie goes into the kitchen to grab dessert, and Lucy goes, let me help you! <laughs> Just like that. Um, in a way to, like, figure out what happened. Um, and, and all Annie says to her is, like, oh, she's not bulimic. And then she obviously doesn't elaborate because she doesn't want Lucy going and telling everyone, like, ah, she's actually poor. Um... So, but Lucy, say, but Lucy just drops it. Yeah, well, Lucy goes, oh, because oh, Annie's like, well, you ha- tell your friends that she's not bulimic. And Lucy's like, yeah, and I'll tell them that she's smart and funny <laughs> and really good at algebra, too. And I'm like, well, how are we supposed to guess all of this? Because we've not seen you interact with this girl whatsoever. No. And, uh, Aaron, I guess the question of the evening is, no. will we ever see no. Shelby again? No. Goodbye. There you go. Shelby, I guess her family doesn't need the Camden's food anymore. Well, they're on me- Meals on Wheels now, so... Yeah, that's the only reason I would ever go to over to that house. Should we do this stupid fucking Mrs. Bink and Mitten storyline now? Yeah, yeah, there's a good punchline for them, Simons, so... Yeah, that's what I was, that was, uh, yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, all right, so, uh... So, um, for some reason... Oh, my God. I don't even know how this starts, but basically... <laughs> mi- uh, Mrs. Bink is, like... R- r- calling the Rev and beeping him a million times because she's like, oh, Mittens' house has a for sale sign in front of it, and I know that she, you know, I, I, I got her, she stole her change of address card from the mailman, and she's like, Mittens is moving to one of those, basically like an assisted living facility. Called the Coleman Center, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I know that... Uh, this wasn't her idea, and, like, this is what kids do when their parents get old. They throw them in these horrible places. So the Rev is like, okay, I'll come with you to visit. Oh, Mrs. Bink is calling because she tried to visit Mittens, but um, they wouldn't let her pass the front desk. So who else would you call but the Rev? Because that's who you go to in Glen Oak when things are awry. You need some help. You call the Rev, not, like, I don't know, the police or... <laughs> Well, I don't think this rises to the level of calling the police. Right, but, but I don't know. So they go there, and again, they're like, oh, 
Mrs. Hinkle has requested, by the way, Mitten's his real name, if you don't remember. It's Odile Hinkle. Odile Hinkle. They're like, oh, Mrs. Hinkle has requested not to be disturbed. So they're like, oh. So this is to Mrs. Bink, and the Rev is like, well, I'm sure if you call her and you let her know that uh, her dear friend and her minister, Reverend Eric Camden, are here to see her, I'm sure she would want to see us. The Rev's like name-dropping his own name. And the guy's like, no, we really respect the fact that she doesn't want to be bothered. So... They write, they're like, oh, can we leave a note? And the guy's like, sure. So he gives them a piece of paper, they write a note, then they give it back to the guy, and he writes down the room number that it's going to be delivered to, and he gets distracted, and they can see what room number it is. It's 219, in case you're wondering where to find mittens. Um, side note, as always, Mrs. Bank is t- speaking in 17 different voices. Which is why I have no patience for her. Um, cannot understand half the things she says. At one point, she really did just sound like she was exhaling instead of saying lines. It was and, just noises. And it's all welcomed with her very funny faces, um, her differences in volume for every other word, and, like, the comedic music in the oh background. This is the first time I think this has happened. The music for Mrs. Bank was, like... It was like some, I want to say like someone following her with a tuba, but it wasn't even like that. It was like, (laughs) it just, I don't, yeah, I don't even know. It's like, what I said was it like reminded me of watching The Addams Family. Like it was that kind of music, but like a lot more whimsical. And it was like such short little clips of it. And then it would go into normal seventh heaven music. Uh, Who knows? Sony's experimenting over at that, at that soundstage. Somehow they, they eventually... Um, Mrs. Bink gets, gets impatient because um, um, uh, Mittens is not answering the note that was left, so she convinces the Rev to go to room 219. And when they get there, they M- Mittens is like, oh, I'm selling my house because my kid, like, it's, you, you know, we've spoken about this, um, the house is too big, the lawn is too big, I'm in that big house alone. I'm vulnerable. I'm old, what if someone breaks in? Before this happens and they before they get into room 219, um, Mrs. Bink is, like, preparing the Rev for what he's about to see because she has all this knowledge about how... Um, where these facilities where kids stick their parents and that... And she's like, oh, she's probably strapped to a table. She, she said she'll, she'll probably be in restraints, drugged up, and eating some kind of dog food and when they open the door she looks like she's perfectly fine and happy perfectly healthy mittens um as aaron was saying she says like she has very valid reasons for being here and she's happy here um but as soon as um mrs bink and the rev leave and she closes the door they're like we have to go investigate her children (laughs) well no mittens goes i'm lying (laughs) <laughs> like, she literally, like... <laughs> the way the face you made when you just said that, too, was... She's like, yeah. you're right. But she's like, basically, like, um, before she left, Mrs. Mink was like, I don't really believe anything you're saying. Um, and Mittens, like, goes to the camera and was like, yeah, my best friend's right. Like, I, I'm lying. <laughs> there's more There's more to this, this story than meets the eye. But, so, of course, the Rev and, and Mrs. Bink know that, being the detectives that they are... Um, the Rev meets up with the children. Well, he goes to, they're having, like, an open house. Um, and... And the children, they're Kevin and Dana Hinkle. Dana Hinkle, I don't care who she's played by, whatever. Um, but Kevin Hinkle was in High School Musical 2, and he played Mr. Fulton, and his real name is Mark Taylor, but... Mark L. Taylor. It's a young Mr. Fulton from High School Musical 2, is how I recognize this man. Carry on. (laughs) Um... 
off the bat, they look villainous, just FYI. Uh, Dana's hair is evil, um, and Mark's expressions are evil, but basically um, the Rev is hinted at the fact that something's like going, something's up because they use the same exact phrasing that... Um, Mittens used to when, describe like the reasons. Why, yeah. So he's like, oh, okay, something's going on. So um, I don't know, there's like there's some back and forth before this happens. For some reason, the Rev and Mrs. Bing get in, like, a fight. Yeah. Right? There's, like, some sort of so, falling out yeah. we didn't pay attention to. Uh, I think because Mrs. Bink was trying to convince the Rev before he interacted with the children that something was up. And he, she says, you call yourself a minister? Um, and, yeah. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> but, like, then he tries to get in contact with Mrs. Bink, but she's ignoring him. So he, like, at, shows up at her door. And, and the only like, thing you're I, right, something is wrong. So they go to see Mrs. Bink, and this is when uh, the reverend's like, you have to be... Mrs. Hinkle. They go... Mittens. They oh, yes, go, they go see Mittens. Sorry. Yeah. Um, too many old... I can't... Okay, so on. Mrs. Bink and the rever are outside of Mittens' door. Again, they're outside of 219. And they're saying... They're telling... Uh, the, re- the rev is like, you need to be subtle... You have to, like, do this delicately. This is a delicate situation. She didn't want to tell us before. We can't force this out of her. So as soon as Mittens opens the door, guess what Mrs. Bink does? She screams in her face. (laughs) She screams, you're such a liar! And then we learn that... Mittens Mittens basically goes, yes. (laughs) Mittens is, like, children have a history of doing this. Like, uh, her her son, Kevin Hinkle, apparently is constantly running up his credit cards and then asking her for money. And then uh, Dana Dana wants to travel the world with her husband before she gets too old to do it. So the kids basically were like, hey, Mom, sell the house so we can have the money now instead of later. Um, And then, like... The scene ends with them, with Mittens being like, I'm going home. And she walks out of this apartment that all of her crap has been moved into to go back to the house where the realtor is there with the kids. And she's like, they were like, oh, you kept the house in such good condition. There's been a lot of interest. And she's like, and the first interest is mine. So Mittens is like, basically shames her children in front of the realtor and the Rev and Mrs. Bink. Well, the thing is, and my, like, connection to Lucy here was that Dana and um, Kevin kept on going to their mother to fix things and didn't really have, like, um, the wherewithal to do it themselves and, like, well into their adult years, which just reminded me about of Lucy going to Annie to fix things. Yes. Um, and we have some, like, back-and-forth dialogue here where Mittens talks about getting her pepper spray out. and Which you remember. Yeah. She's spoken about her pepper, pepper spray, spray before. Continuity. Yes. I love it. And also Mittens' daughter blatantly rolling her eyes at her mother. <laughs> and Mittens' daughter is, like, 50s. Like, yeah. in her 50s. She's got a nice gray streak. She is old, too old to be rolling her eyes at her mother. But there's a happy ending, and Mitten get, gets to stay home in her nice, lovely home. And uh, then they go for a beer, and the Rev drives. Well, oh, there is one thing that I did want to mention about this conversation, because uh, as a last-ditch effort, Dana and Kevin were like, well, you're going to be all alone. Like, what if somebody comes to the house? And she says, it won't be worse than my own children taking this, uh, to try to take this house from me. Oh, and yeah, I was that's like, the final shaving. Yeah, and I was like, well, actually, like, if, like, a person with a gun came into your house, and tried to kill you for this house, I think it would be worse than your children, but all right. Uh, Yeah, anyway, they go for beer. It's all happily ever after. I don't understand why the Rev doesn't have friends his own age. And... Well, these are, he was doing this as, like, a church service. Like, Mrs. Bink is a parishioner, so... Oh, I guess that's fair. You know, he's got to help. She wanted help. He's got to help her. 
And uh, finally, we have... Simon playing his trick on the fam. So the first uh, iteration of him being a charismatic cult leader is uh, him messing with couch cushions in a way that his feet he no puts longer... yellow books under it. Yeah, and they have multiple yellow books, which... I mean, like, you need one yellow book, and when you get a new one, you throw the old one out. Maybe the Camdens are hoarders. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. They have everything else wrong with them, so. Um, Not that. It's a disease. Not that, (laughs) yes, I was going to say. So, moving Um, on. (laughs) um, He, like, stacks them under the couch cushion, so it makes it seem like he can't touch the, his shoes can't touch the ground. Um, And. As we said, Ruthie's a part of this, and Ruthie's gimmick in this whole thing is every time somebody somebody notices that he's shrinking or he says that he's shrinking, Ruthie says, You need to see a doctor. So this this is the first time this happens. The next time it happens is him trying to reach for a glass in the kitchen. And he asks, oh, wait, he asks Mary to help him, and... She gets it, and he's like, oh, I could reach those yesterday. I must be shrinking. And Mary goes, not fast enough. And I was like, is Mary <laughs> suggesting she wants Simon to disappear? Because that's incredible. Love it. And Ruthie goes, you need to see a doctor. Oh, oh <laughs> just, just presume that Ruthie, like, she says it, like, seven or eight times, probably more throughout the episode. Um, this continues uh, until Annie's like, I know something's up. Because like, they're, they're in, Simon and Ruthie are in their room, and they have the door closed, which... This has happened a few times where Annie will come in and she'll be like, I know you're up to something because you've had the door closed all night. So they're like trying to make, they're trying to adjust Ruthie's shoes that she will look taller next to Simon. Um, And Annie comes in and she's like, what's up? You, I know something's going on because you've been in your room all night. Uh, And they let her in on it and they must have a paper thin bedroom door because Matt walks by while they are telling Annie, what's going on? And uh, Matt stands by the door and he hears everything. And then he decides that he's going to flip it on Simon and try to convince Simon that he actually is shrinking. Um, he's reverse culting Simon. Um, yes, and then Matt tells everybody else that what he heard. So everybody else now is in on making Simon feel like he's actually shrinking. Can I just say that everybody else really only includes Mary because Lucy's not a part of getting... Simon doesn't go to Lucy to get uh, to get Lucy to believe that he's shrinking. Her mind and, is too feeble. I would never do that. And Matt, it's cruel. <laughs> and Matt doesn't go to Lucy for help with like reverse culting. Simon, no. Uh, this, the reverse culting includes like raising the the bar in his closet so he can't reach his clothes anymore, as well as adjusting the posters in the room. I think changing like his pants or something. Oh yeah, also. and he like let out like a hem in his pants so that they were longer. So now Simon is believing that he is actually shrinking, so he's bedridden now. Because and now, and now Ruthie's Ruthie's tone has changed. She's like, "You need to see a doctor." It's much more serious now. Um, and Simon is bedridden, uh, and Matt comes clean about him like playing these tricks. But Simon's too reverse culted now that he really does truly believe that he needs to see a doctor Doctor. and he that he's shrinking so annie was like oh that was mean of you matt so you have to take him to the doctor and you have to pay for it just to get his height checked so they go to the doctor to get his height checked and and he finds out he grew half an inch and he's broader around the chest and he's not surprised because he works out (laughs) which we have never seen (laughs) he's 11 well he does play baseball so you know he's probably which we also have never seen (laughs) (laughs) We've seen him, like, talking about how baseball was his life, but we've still never seen him play. Well, he d- we'll just trust him. 
Um, and the very last scene we have of this is uh, Matt and Simon taking the trash out and the Rev uh, being like, oh, I heard you had to go see a doctor because you thought you were actually shrinking. I thought you were a charismatic cult leader. Um, um, and they they were talk- They have this back and forth where it's like, oh, actually, like I was supposed to do it, but uh, Matt ended up being the one the that... The cult leader? <laughs> here, but And then Simon has this one line which I think redeemed the episode as much as it could be redeemed. And he's like, I don't know why, but I just had it in my head that I had to see a doctor. And I actually burst out laughing because Ruthie won Ruthie the episode. Ruthie was the actual cult leader. Yep, she won the episode. <laughs> she didn't even know she was doing it. That's how charismatic Ruthie is. <laughs> so... And it worked. He saw the doctor. <laughs> um, the only thing I had to say about this last scene was Matt's fashion choices. He looks like he belongs in the Hamptons. He's wearing white Except pants. Except not at all. And, and oh I, no, he looks like an orange sickle. He's wearing white pants and cream sickle. Oh, well, same thing. Yeah. Um, and orange sickle and like. orange velvet, orange velvet shirt. Yeah. Um, and everybody throughout this episode, the men in this episode, like, did not believe in buttoning their shirts up. Right. Including Simon. Um, well, he works out, so he's got to show off his chest. But honestly, to guys... All the other, to all the 11-year-old girls. <laughs> that's the episode. That was it. That's really the episode. It was truly terrible. It really was. Um, I kind of want to add Mrs. Bink to our scale. Oh, like, my God. She's like a negative. I like, know. she's worse than Lucy. She is worse than Lucy. I can't understand a word she's saying. Yeah, no. Oh, she's And she's on the show for so long. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so uh, what, what are you going to read? I, don't even. I think this gets. I think this episode gets like a one yeah, from no, me. Yeah, no, it does. I, it gets a one from me, too. There's the full Lucy. <laughs> no, it was a full Lucy. It was definitely a full Lucy. I thought... Number one, because I thought she had the only interesting storyline, but also it was Lucy's storyline, so it was like it was just her being terrible and like, I'm going to get popular by exploiting this girl's eating disorder. How so funny. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. That's horrible that they did that. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> if there was anyone who was going to do it. It's going to be Lucy. I feel like this is not the last of us seeing Lucy trying to save Exploit other people's problems to become... Po- like, first, she did, she never was concerned. She just wanted those other girls to be like... She wanted to be like, I'm going to get the dirt, and you're going to have to talk to me to find out what's up with this girl. Like, it was never like, oh, I'm going to help her. And then she, when she got, like, caught, she was like, oh, I just want to get her help. And she brought out her fucking tears. God, I want to slap her in the goddamn face. Um... No, yeah, it's definitely a one. I'm mean, as I said, the only redeeming thing about this episode—well, there was two things. The, the bink, but, um, the bink yell, the bink. Well, okay, okay. There was maybe more than two things. There was the opening se- sequence with the Counting Crows. Um, it actually—I just realized now. I'm thinking about it now. I'm pretty sure it was Blues. Tra- I can't remember the song right now. I think it was Blues Traveler. I know. I, I think it was Blues Traveler, which makes listen. it even more '90s. I don't listen to the Counting Crows. No, it was Blues. Tra- you don't. You definitely don't listen to Blues. No, it was Blues Traveler. I'm I, for sure. I'm certain now. I'm gonna have to go back and edit down on the first part. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and the whole like and the end joke punchline about Ruthie being the one that wins. I think that was very well done because I actually was not maybe because I wasn't really paying attention and didn't care about this episode. I didn't see it coming, but um, I like that. I like that rounding out of that. Yeah. It's, it's more clever than you would expect the show to ever be. Yes, it's definitely more clever than... It's something that I would, like, imagine in, like, a community or even, like... And it's always sunny, but not here. Yeah. Um, that's it. 
That's it. Do all the stuff. Yes. Social media, like us on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Tumblr. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Give us some reviews. Reviews. Um, what else do we have? Uh, send us an email. Camdencast at gmail.com. Um, and uh, that's about it. Um, Aaron. And I'm Tandy, and this has been Camdencast. Right.